0: I am Major
1: Justin Command and welcome to Battlefield Next, a podcast devoted to the application of law to the future of armed conflict. While we love talking about the future battlefield and the legal concepts accompanying that battlefield, sometimes we also love talking about the human component of the U.S. Army's JAG Corps. Today, we get to talk a bit about how that initial desire to join the JAG Corps took root in ROTC Cadet Isabella Fisher. Cadet Fisher is a senior at Seton Hall University and will be heading to law school via via the Army's Educational Delay Program this fall. Upon successful completion of law school, Cadet Fisher will join the Army as a first lieutenant in what we unbiasedly call the most consequential practice of law on earth. So Cadet Fisher, good afternoon. Uh, Thanks for taking some time this afternoon. Thanks for joining us on Battlefield Next. And I have to start off by saying uh, that you brought a smile to our faces when you reached out to us just to express your interest in the podcast uh, and in the JAG Corps um, and, and your
0: overall willingness to help out. First of all, because it was amazing to see uh, a, a young cadet willing to, willing and motivated to help out the JAG Corps and, and volunteer to help out um, uh, an organization that you will be a part of in the future. But second, it was also really nice to know that someone else, aside from my mom and the colleagues in in my office, was listening to the podcast. So, uh, Cadet Fisher, thank you and, and and welcome to the podcast. and And I hope your 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 last year here at Seton Hall undergrad is going okay.
2: Yeah. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, you have more followers than you obviously realize. So. I do thank you and applaud you guys for continuing to host the podcast as I think its it was actually really instrumental in my journey to understanding the JAG Corps itself, as well as understanding if it was meant for me and if this was something I wanted to pursue.
0: Well, why don't we start off a little bit with that journey and and just by telling us a little bit about yourself and and where you're from and and maybe the steps you took leading up to going to to school at Seton Hall.
2: Yeah, sure. I'll try not to make this too long-winded, but my process was a little interesting. Um, I always knew that I wanted to attend a school just for the fact that I wanted to go to law school. No matter what, the end goal was being a lawyer. So I signed up as a classics major, got to St. Hall and was like, wow, I'm gonna switch to diplomacy because that seems a lot more lucrative. Um, And so it just kind of transpired from there. And so once I got to Scene Hall, I noticed there was the RTC program on campus, and I knew from that moment, if I wanted to do it, I wanted to try the military, it was then or never. Just as some background, I don't really come from a military family, but my brother did enlist um, into the Navy upon graduation, and he serves as a cryptologic technician down at Fort Meade. So that, of course, heavily influenced my decision, and then... um, Pretty soon after I joined the program, within a year, I received a three-year scholarship, and that kind of solidified my desire for service and also kind of capitulated me to the point that we're at now.
0: So is it fair to say, was your brother the spark for service? Was it was it seeing those ROTC cadets on Seton Hall, some mixture of the two? Or what, where's that initial spark come from service? Because uh, really, everyone has a different reason for joining. Some practical, some philosophical, some spiritual, some just uh, completely saying, hey, uh, I needed the money. Well, what, what do you think it was for you, and, uh, and and where was that spark from?
2: Yeah, so that spark was pretty hard to describe because, not to be too comedic about it, but um, I knew that I really wanted to serve my purpose, whatever that meant. I wanted to pursue a career path in which I could fulfill my goal of serving others. That's really what I wanted to do, and to be fair, I'm not a fan of math and science so that obviously was just not an option for, for me and also wasn't a fan of getting yelled at so <laughs> I came to the program and the first thing I asked Zaru at the time was um, sir just so you know like I don't think I can handle getting yelled at currently so <laughs> and it ended up being pretty funny because the MS1 instructor at the time was wearing civilians when I first met him being an innocent MS1 I snapped to the position of attention and he looked at me it was like cadet I get paid for a living or something along the lines of like I work for a living that's what he said I work for a living I was like oh my gosh I'm getting yelled at already
1: <laughs> um so it'd be good right
2: yeah but he ended up being one of my closest mentors and actually really helped me pursue diversity and different ways to round myself as a student and also as someone who's going to be an officer in the Army.
1: And can you tell our listeners just a little bit, especially those that maybe uh, aren't familiar with ROTC, uh, myself included, I was a direct commissionee. What is is the ROTC program like? I know every school is a little bit different, but there are some uh, trend lines that go throughout our ROTC as a whole. So what's, what's it been like, and what's been your experience at ROTC?
2: So my experience at Scene Hall is, I would say, a general, follows the general trend of regular institutions. So UPT Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 07 to 08, and then the only difference is that on Friday we have all day class. So we take five credits, but um, Friday we're on campus from 07 till about 15 to 1600, depending on what you're doing. And if you're involved in extracurriculars, you're going to be here more often. We offer extra emphasis PT every Tuesday, Thursday. We did color guard. My experience in RTC is just, it made up a large portion of my college career. And I'm very grateful for it because it's taught me some very valuable lessons. But I think what's nice about choosing to pursue RTC instead of perhaps another route, such as military institution itself is that I have this dual life where I can be both a student um, civilian and then also serve my time in the military.
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a good way to put it and in some ways the ROTC path up until a point offers a bit of, of flexibility. Was there a moment in your ROTC career that you had to sign on the dotted line so to say and say all right I'm, I'm committed to Uh, the Army as a career and a a lifestyle?
2: Absolutely. So my personality tends to be all or nothing, as I mentioned previously. So when I came here for our NCO week, which is our new cadet orientation, conveniently, um, that was kind of my own personal dotted line of, I can handle this, I can manage this, I can manage this. And um, I found myself kind of exceeding my expectations of my performance at the battalion. That was kind of my way of, okay, I really enjoyed this. My peers are phenomenal. The content is great. And honestly, this is a kind of leadership experience I desire for my college career. Um, I ended up signing literally on the dotted line come that July, August time, um, which was very exciting to receive a three-year scholarship. But commitment was always kind of there for me. Um, I really wanted to pursue a life of service and I'm grateful for the Army for giving me that footway, that doorway to do so.
1: Well, we uh, we are grateful for you as well. And we applaud that decision to, to, to raise your, your right hand and, and that sign on the dotted line. And uh, as, as you're moving through your ROTC career, where along that path does the JAG Corps come to play? Where do you say, where do you get introduced to the JAG Corps? Or where do you start pursuing options to join the JAG Corps?
2: The JAG Corps was a little, um, what's the word? It was like hard to find when I first came in, because recall that the, just being a lawyer in general was always priority number one. Once I figured out, okay, I'm going to be a future officer, how do I pursue law? Um, the JAG Corps was my immediate step. How do I get there? I had a couple of chance occasions, like a, an event where I did a color guard detail and ran into a, I think like a lieutenant colonel or something like that in the air force who my neighbor actually knew. So it's an odd connection. He was a general or excuse me, he was a JAG in the Air Force and I connected with him really well because the pursuit of international law has always fascinated me and he told me about his own experience in international law and that kind of solidified it. Moving forward from that, I did have to like I will admit this was something that I chose and I actively pursued. We had a confined field training exercise again my freshman year where after we had finished up at West Point, a JAG came and talked to us, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Strong, um, and he was the head of the West Point JAG Corps there, so um, he offered to shadow, let me shadow him, and of course, I did. I w- I learned the difference, um, it's called the courts martial if it's plural. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is so cool. Once that happened, I started making more connections in the JAG Corps, which, Really sp- sparked from that office, and then also I'm probably very bad about my emails because I am always sending them. So once the JAG Corps had their branch, their branch day come my junior year, I probably emailed a little too high up. <laughs> Got to meet some really great people at the JAG office, so that was wonderful too. And I guess the culminating event for really wanting to do JAG or Resolidifying my goals was getting to meet Lieutenant General Reich, because he came and spoke to Saint Law as he is a alum from there, and that was just highlight highlight of all my JAG experiences. And I that's mean, actually for, how
1: for those ahead. listening, uh, Lieutenant General uh, Rich is our is our Judge Advocate General of the Army, so it's our senior ranking attorney uh, and officer in the U.S. Army's JAG Corps. And, and you had an opportunity to to meet with uh, with him, and he's also a uh, uh, and, and alumni of, uh, of seed Hall, right?
2: Yep, awesome. so that was a highlight.
1: Awesome, well, it, it proves the power of, of, of networking and sometimes it's, it's a matter of sending that email that uh, even if you're unsure if you're going to get that response, making that phone call uh, because for every nine that go unanswered, the 10th that does go answered, you never know what door it might open up and a powerful note on, on networking. So can you talk maybe a bit about the, the educational delay program, the, the actual mechanisms of sending you to law school and, and, and delaying your service commitment to the Army in order to go to law school uh, with the ultimate primary, uh, ultimate goal of, of becoming a judge advocate. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Because admittedly, for, for myself and I'm sure other listeners, uh, I was a little bit in the dark about the process. I know people did it. But I didn't know exactly how they
2: did. Absolutely. First, I'd like to kind of draw a distinction between the FLET program and the Adelaide program, because these are something you have to consider as you're proceeding through this process. For myself, I didn't want the question of whether or not I would be in the JAG Corps. I didn't like the uncertainty of the FLET program, which is the field legal education program. So basically how they would send you is you choose an initial branch you'd branch, and then I believe within three to seven years is that hit time, um, you'd apply to get out of the service for your law school and then come back in and join the JAG Corps. At the time that I was doing and submitting my applications for the ed delay or getting ready to, the JAG Corps had switched the PLEP program to be even more competitive because now not only is it just officers, it also included LACs, which is a phenomenal opportunity, but one I wasn't willing to Wait, And um, I also recognized that if I was to do any other branch, which was a hard sell for me, it would probably be an intelligence. And from my understanding, leaving the intelligence field is slim to not an opportunity at all. So I really knew that the delay was the best course of action for me. And so with that knowledge, I pursued it to its fullest. What that application process looked like was a little confusing because I'll admit I was in the dark and I had to do a good bit of research to figure it out which, you know, led to a kind of rushed LSAT taking to make sure I did it before camp. You have your ed application packet, and that's going to look like a PMS letter of rec. And then I think you might need an, an additional letter of recommendation for that, your LSAT transcript and a one page essay on why you want to be a JAG or why would you like to join the JAG Corps. And so what,
1: can I ask where you where do you find that that even that initial information? You said you had to do some hunting. Did you find it on a JAG Corps related website? Did you go through your um, uh, your professors, your military science professors, or, or or how did you even find it in the first place?
2: Yeah, um, my military science professors kind of joke that I'm the most knowledgeable on campus about the JAG Corps. So, um, they normally shoot people my way versus me going their way. I did some sleuthing. I got the initial website for the JAG Corps, but I found it to be a little confusing as in, it's primarily meant for people who are already in and not necessarily those who are looking into it. Um, But of course, Lieutenant General Risch worked on this one website that is providing and developing resources for those interested in the JAG Corps, which was really awesome. When I did this research, it took me to the same page, which is the application page, which you're either the direct commissionee, a, delay app or the FLIP app. And it's almost like a very basic synopsis of what to expect and not a definitive timeline. So I knew that, you know, when I came back the fall semester of my senior year, I would definitely have to apply early on. I knew that the board was going to meet sometime in October and I knew I'd find out sometime November-ish. No clue. What my timeline ended up looking like was a little sloppy. I found out like definitively that I do need to take my LSAT before I went to camp. Okay, now I'm looking at a June LSAT, I've got T minus like five months to prep, which is doable, but to be fair, you really wanna get over 150 to solidify your results. And of course you wanna get over 160 for the institutions you're looking for. With that being said, I prepped, took my LSAT in June, 2 weeks later shipped off to camp for 40 days because of the additional 10-day quarantine period.
1: For listeners that might not be familiar that uh, that what you just described camp what what is that?
2: Thank you. I almost forgot to mention that. So, advanced camp or cadet summer training is a the culminating event of your RTC career, right? So, it is 40 days to or initially 30 days pre-covid to try to get cadets to exhibit their leadership capabilities through field training exercises, different sorts of tests, which include marksmanship, PT, uh, peer evaluations, cadre evaluations. You're really doing it all. Everything that you've learned in your four years, three years time at your institution is being tried and tested in the heat of Fort Knox, Kentucky.
1: Right. And and so that happens the summer between your junior and senior year. And and what you were saying is, so, so, really, all of this uh, uh, educational delay applications is, is happening your junior year, and and a lot of stuff needs to get done prior to that that summer going into your senior year. Is that is that fair to say?
2: Yes. Thank you so much for the clarification because that is that was a huge part of the stressor. So, for anyone who wants to pursue the JAG Corps, from my experience, I would definitely advise starting preparations for your LSAT much earlier. Get it in way before camp because I know one of my peers who is also an ed delay she had the knowledge and took her lsat super early i mean we had our cftx that semester in april when i met her and she was like oh i took it in february and i was like what how crazy Um, so i highly advise being like her get it in early you will not have the stress i had of lsat and then your training because again, you want to be present for that training. You're going to meet a lot of new people who you may or may not meet again in life. So um, it's a really cool experience, and you want to be able to devote your time and physical, mental capabilities towards succeeding there.
1: And were there any other challenges you faced along the way, or or, or tips that, that you can share with future applicants or people that are considering the either ROTC or uh, or the Ed Delay program?
2: I had plenty of challenges. <laughs> um, I'll be pretty honest on that when it came to the application like I said I wasn't sure of the timeline I get back from camp August 18th and I think I shipped out like July 6th something like that so good chunk of time I can't dedicate to the application itself I had already confirmed my PMS was going to write my letter of rec I had the backup letter of rec and then everything was falling into place but I needed to get it in I think by the 22nd. Like as soon as I came back, it turns out, oh, you have to submit this application. So that was a little finicky. And then actually submitting the application, I had a lot of trouble sending my LSAT because they wanted a formal receival of the LSAT. But LSAC was not going to do that. So what you ended up having to do was a screenshot. It felt like this is a little sketchy, but that's okay because they accepted <laughs> it, felt it. A little
1: unofficial, right? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I, was like, I, Hold it was on. I could have just done a screenshot from the beginning. and I didn't even, I didn't even have to take this test, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, so so what does the future look like for you now, and, and kind of where are you at now that you're at your senior year? What uh, uh, what are the next steps? Uh, and then, what happens during and after law school related specifically to this end delay program?
2: The future for me right now is clearly a little uncertain just because I had a, a couple of issues that I ran into with my law school applications themselves. And I, of course, retook the LSAT after my initial take, trying to deal with that. Um, and then, of course, it's a lot of coordination with those who are helping you in your packet. So, that's something to keep in mind. Um, I always recommend for those who are applying to law school, ask your letter of recommendation writers as soon as possible. I let my know in May that I, I wanted, I would really appreciate if they could help me with this application. And of course, they are very gracious to assist me with that. Moving on to look to the future, I have an interesting skill set. Currently, one of my favorite studies is international human rights law, um, as well as international humanitarian law. So what's practiced in times of war versus peace times. Um, and then as well as national security law, I have, I'm very grateful that I have a mentor currently who is a JAG practicing national security law. And she's been wonderful in guiding me through this law school process, as well as the JAG Corps itself and understanding it because the JAG Corps is unlike anything else I've ever seen in the army. Even the personalities are different because you have a lot of direct commissionees. And you'll notice that when you meet your commissionees versus cadets who are in ROTC, went to advanced camp, CST, and came back. At present, I'm still kind of confirming which law schools I'm going to attend and then as well as what to really pursue based off of kind of where I want my career to take me. And I also have... I have a long range goal. So I want to make sure I get my LLM and LLDs kind of game planning that I might choose a focus that's a little bit broader so that I can narrow in on them as I pursue my further education. Or I may just go right for international human rights law, but still in the process of deciding.
1: Awesome. Um, Well, well, I appreciate you sharing that with us and and appreciate you sharing your path with us. As you go through law school, first, second year, that third year, if you successfully get uh, graduate law school, get your degree, uh, and then take the bar exam, uh, then with the educational delay program, are you automatically uh, commissioned into the JAG Corps, or do you still have to apply to the JAG Corps?
2: Yeah, the buck does not stop there, which is kind of funny, because I'm just like, oh my gosh, my peers all know their branches. They're so lucky everyone's submitting where they're like future duty stations are going to be where they want to go. They're like, Hawaii. Oh, I want to go to Italy. I'm like, I want to know where I'm going to law school. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it'll be interesting.
1: That makes sense. Right. One practical thing we didn't discuss, uh, which is, uh, but it's a question that always comes up. I know people would always ask me about it, which is how does ROTC affect paying for college and law school? Does ROTC help you pay for your undergraduate? Does it also help you pay for your law school? One or the other? Neither? Uh, how, does, how does that scholarship help actually work when you're when you're an educational employee?
2: It's a really great question, especially because this is one of the concerns that I face, and now I'm kind of having to respond to you throughout these applications. The real reason deciding between FLEP and the ed delay is huge is because FLEP, covers your entire law school right mm-hmm. so that's paid for by the army i am very grateful for the army for paying for my undergraduate and as i pursue my law career the ed delay will not cover my three years with that being said something that needs to be known for anyone who's interested is that the army does have a i think it's a sixty thousand dollars or sixty five thousand dollar loan repayment program and of course i think your re-up bonus is like between 60 and 65000 so
1: yeah, those will definitely
2: anybody assist.
1: Anybody listening, that's a, there's a student loan repayment program at your fourth year or so of service, if you decide to dedicate an additional four years so bring your total to around eight years of service, there is a monetary incentive to do so designed to, to acknowledge the additional schooling and, and potentially the additional debt that you took on uh, for that schooling.
2: I'm not sure how that would change between direct commissioning and cadet because I have a seven-year commitment currently, so it would most likely be after those seven years, but it's definitely something to keep in mind.
1: Well, uh, Cadet Fisher, thanks again for joining us. Uh, thanks for sharing your path, not only your path to get to see Hall, but your your path that you're currently on, which is the Educational Delay Program, and uh, which will, I have no doubt, bring you into the JAG Corps in about three short years as a first lieutenant in, and again, what we unbiasedly like to call the most consequential practice of law on earth. Uh, So thanks for taking a second to to talk with us today. And and we wish you the best of luck in your finishing out your senior year and wherever it is that uh, a law school is fortunate enough to have you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it.
0: Interested in providing material to the JAG Corps' Future Concepts Directorate? Reach out to us via Twitter or LinkedIn at JAGFCD, or visit our website at tjaglix.army.mil forward slash FCD. That's tjaglix.army.mil forward slash FCD. Always on the lookout for the next guest, topic, or discussion. As always, the views expressed on the podcast are the views of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School, the United States Army, the Department of Defense, or any other agency of the United States government. Reference in this podcast to any specific commercial product, process, or service, or the use of any trade, firm, or corporation name is for the information and convenience of the public and does not constitute endorsement, recommendation, or favoring by the Department of Defense. Thanks for joining us on Battlefield Next.